You don't have to have millions of dollars to benefit from the advice of a financial advisor. My husband and I not only have to make decisions about our own financial planning needs, but we also have to field questions from our kids who are now on their own. That's why I was excited to hear about the on-demand financial planning for absolutely everyone from Fearless Finance. Their business is built on making financial advice accessible and affordable. They make things easy to understand and keep the stress out of making investment choices. With Fearless Finance, you meet your planner virtually who will advise you on your financial journey. Are you paying back student loans, saving for your first house? Maybe you just want to make sure your finances are okay. You can ask all your questions and get answers, no judgment. You'll be charged an hourly rate, no long-term commitment, no minimum required. Visit fearlessfinance.com today. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit, and you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use the code CLEAN. Welcome to A Slob Comes Clean, the podcast. I'm Dana K. White. I blog over at aslobcomesclean.com. That's where I share my personal deslobification process. As I figure out ways to keep my own home under control, I share the truth about cleaning and organizing strategies that actually work in real life for real people, people who don't love cleaning and organizing. Thanks for joining me today. This is podcast number 218, and I think I'm going to call it Wishing Other People Would Declutter. Yes. Specifically, this is kind of the intro, the get yourself ready, get yourself in the right mindset for talking about helping older relatives declutter. So as many of you know, I shared last week in the podcast, that was my first back after my summer break, that we lost my mother-in-law this this summer. Uh, she passed away. And thank you for the words of kindness from so many of you. And that just made me start thinking about it because I know this is a reality. I hear from people all the time who are dealing with this reality um, of you know dealing with a, a loved one who either needs to downsize Um, just for their own health and safety or needs to downsize uh, to be able to move into a, you know, assisted living or a nursing home or cleaning up after someone has passed away. So um, this is a realistic subject. And yet uh, there's a lot of mindset issues here uh, that we're going to talk about. Like, when do you get to say something? How do you go in and help when somebody doesn't want to help? You know, but a lot of that comes down to coming into it with the right frame of mind. Before we get started, I want to tell you about PrepDish. PrepDish is the longest time sponsor of this podcast, I do believe. Um, If you've been around a while, you've heard me talk about PrepDish. But let me just say, I met Allison, the founder, last year, right around this time. I think it was in September of last year. And she's one of those people who's very calm and very chill and very confident in what she does. And what she does is make healthy eating realistic for busy people. Like this is who she is and it's what she's just really, really good at. As someone who's very scatterbrained and kind of gung-ho and goes into all these different crazy things, I love knowing that someone has done the work and thought things through and it's like, here you go. Here's what you do. Um, So what is Prep Dish? Well, it's a healthy subscription-based meal planning service with a unique twist. So Allison makes a plan. And she sends it to you each week. It includes a paleo plan and a gluten-free plan of meals for the week. But here's what's different about it. You do all of your prep work in one session so that throughout the week, you can eat those healthy meals, getting them on the table super fast. You can try it out. See if it's a good fit for your family. Allison's offering listeners of Slob Comes Clean a free two-week trial. Go to prepdish.com slash a slob comes clean, all one word. That's prepdish.com slash a slob comes clean for a free two week trial. 
Okay, so uh, let's get going on this. I just have to say that this is one of those times, and I don't like it when I do this, but I'm starting over. I started recording this, but then I started smelling the soup that I had put on the stove before I got started, thinking I would just let it, you know, cook while I was doing my podcast. But I started smelling it and thinking, that seems like it might be boiling, and I don't want it to boil for the whole time I'm talking, because then my soup won't be very good. Um, My evaporator burn the meat in it or whatever. Anyway, so I kind of, I went and did that and then I came back and I realized I wasn't making any sense. So I'm not sure what my excuse will be this time when I don't make any sense. But the hard thing about redoing a podcast that I already started is that then I start thinking, wait, did I already say this or not? Anyway, so who knows what's going to happen. But the title I think is wishing someone else would declutter. Um, Wishing and hoping. Let's talk about those two words. So I love the definition of hope that I'm pretty sure it was my pastor who I first heard say it. And I I don't know if this is a dictionary definition, but this was his definition and I love it. And I've latched onto it. And that is hope is a settled certainty. So we're not talking, you know, placing your hope in this thing is very different than wishing something. So I'm saying like there it's a lot of times those words are used interchangeably, but they're not interchangeable. And when I view hope as a settled certainty, it's this is something that I can count on. It's the, I think it was around that time that I'd heard that definition that I wrote 28 days to hope for your home, which is now included as the appendix of how to manage your home without losing your mind. But, um, 28 days to hope for your home. My whole point was I had spent years wishing I could get my house under control, but here's where the hope is. If I will do these things when, you know, that these things for 28 days, my home is better period. Like if you do your dishes every day for 28 days and then you add in a new habit every week of sweeping the kitchen floor and checking bathrooms for clutter and doing five minute pickups, if I do those things, it is a guarantee that my house is going to be so much better when I'm done. There's not a, oh, I wish my house was better. Do the dishes and your house is better. I mean, like that's the difference between hope and a wish where a wish is, again, not a Webster dictionary definition here, but a wish is often used in the same context as um, like magic. And I really hate to tell you this. I'm sorry for kids who are listening. So mom, maybe pause this if you want to. Magic isn't real. I mean, I'm, I'm all into the lovely woo-woo things of, you know, bring a little magic into my life. And, you know, this thing is like magic, blah, blah, blah. But the reality is when we say magic... We're talking about things that can't actually happen, right? Like that's the whole appeal of magic is that, first of all, it's supposed to make things easier, which we all know from Harry Potter. It doesn't necessarily. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it's this idea of something just happening, just within my control, just happening, you know, like, oh, I'm going to snap my fingers and everything is going to be better. So it's just, that's what magic is, is it's not reality. It's not the reality that we live in. So unfortunately, um, you know, there's that difference between hope for your home comes from actually doing things to make my home better, where wishing doesn't actually get anything done. See what I'm saying? I I don't know. I I know. I feel like I'm kind of words, 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 but I do love words and it's my thing. So where does this come into this specific subject of wishing someone else would declutter? Well, so many times 
that's what it is when you are wanting someone else to do something. I don't actually have control over that. I have control over what I do in my own home. I don't have control over what someone else does in their own home. And if we really, really get down to it, I don't have control over what anybody does at any time. Like I don't have actual control. You know, there's a little more hope. I have a little more input and impact on the things that happen inside my own home, but somebody else's home, I just don't. I mean, it's it's a wish. And so what do you do when the reality is that someone you love, somebody who you do have a relationship with, and you have some kind of ability to speak into their lives, what, what do you do? Okay. You know, I, I'm in this weird position right now of being an advice giver. That is, that is this weird position that I have. But, you know, I, I'm not an advice giver in every situation. I mean, I love to give advice. I'm not saying I don't. But I'm not the go-to person on decluttering in every situation in my life. When somebody comes to hear me speak, well, they're coming to hear me speak about decluttering, so I'm going to tell them how to declutter. When somebody sends me an email or comes to my blog or listens to my podcast, I'm being given permission and I'm being told give me advice. And so I give them advice. But when I'm at a mom's group or which, you know, not one where I'm speaking about decluttering, but like, you know, when I'm with friends hanging out, you know, going on a girl's night out to Chili's or whatever, and somebody starts complaining about their home, I don't just come in and say, Hey, let me tell you everything that you need to know. Because I haven't personally in this situation earned that right this is not my role to give them, let me solve all of your problems. And the reason I say that is because I've been the person frustrated about my home. And if I didn't know that that person, if I didn't know their credentials on, you know, why it is that they have the right to say, this is how it's done, then I don't want to hear it. And so it doesn't necessarily even matter whether you're good at this, whether you know what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. But what is your relationship with this person? Because giving advice is hard and giving advice is nuanced. And I'll just tell you the hardest thing about giving advice is that that's all it is, is giving advice. Like it's not actually doing something. So how do you get to the point where you can either give advice or do something And it actually has an impact on the home because the reality is, you know, there are times where, I mean, someone might even ask me for advice and this happens all the time. Honestly, somebody asked me for advice. I said, this is what you can do. And then they don't do it. That's not my problem. And I cannot let myself get worked up. I can't let my own health or mental health or whatever, or just blood pressure be affected by the fact that they're not doing things the way that I told them to do them even if they asked me how they should do it and told me that they wanted to know what my advice was. It's not healthy. Okay. And so the only thing I can control is what I do and what I don't do. So what can you do? Because here's the thing, you know, one of the things that I find myself saying when I hear some, like I'll read something on Facebook or I'll, you know, I'll hear somebody talk about something and the word that goes through my head, and this is just, you know, me as a writer and as all the stuff that I do and trying to figure out, how I want to present information to people. But the word that goes through my head is about, 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 about. Like, I'm like, they're talking about something, but they're not actually giving me what to do. And here's the example. 
hearing for years, you know, if somebody wants to give home advice and their advice is you should keep your home neat and you shouldn't have clutter and, you know, your house should really be a place where you can enjoy being and you can relax. In my mind, I hear about, about, about. You're talking about my home, but you're not actually giving me any real advice on how to do my home. Okay, so it's not helpful to the person who really struggles. So if your advice that you're giving if you have earned the right to give advice, which we're going to talk about in a minute, if the advice you're giving is you should declutter, you should really get rid of a bunch of your stuff so that it's easier someday when you have to, you know, move into assisted living or whenever you have to have make a change or something like that. That's not advice. Like it's not. And so just kind of be thinking along the lines of what can we actually do here as opposed to. I feel like that's one of those differences between hope and wish, you know, just saying you should do this. That's like wishing somebody would where hope is where the actual reality comes in. I'm pretty sure I'm babbling, but whatever, here it is. Okay. So these are questions to ask yourself as you're feeling frustrated. Okay. What kind of relationship do you have with this person? Do you have the right to speak? Do you have the right to help? Do you have the right to expect someone to declutter. Okay. So, you know, we talked about advice versus instruction. So let's talk about, you know, do you have the right to expect someone to declutter? Um, that depends on the position that you have in somebody's life. In a parent child relationship, you have the right to expect them to declutter. And yet saying you need to get organized or you need to declutter your room isn't actually helpful. Do you see what I'm saying? Like if that person does not know how to declutter, then that doesn't help them to tell them that they should. So even in this situation where yes, you have the right to expect and require, that's where coming alongside them and showing them how to declutter is key in all of this, doing it with them so that they can then learn that skill. Because if you're in a position where you can expect someone to declutter, it's most likely because you're in a position where you have the responsibility, you know, they may have the responsibility to follow your guidelines. Well, you probably in that relationship, you have the responsibility to be teaching them something, right? To be, you know, moving them toward independence at some point in this parent-child relationship. And and just so you know, you know, it changes as they get older. My own mom, I'm sure she would <laughs> still say that. Um, but it does. I mean, it changes as they get older. My teenagers, it's a different situation. I cannot approach it the same way that I approached when they were three and four. Just realistically, if I want actual results, I cannot approach things in the exact same way. That doesn't mean that I don't still expect them to declutter, but I do approach it differently. So how much more if we're talking about an elderly relative, which I think with my second book, I was told not to use the word elderly. Is that, I don't know. Anyway, there's so many things to not say, but you know, if I have that relationship with them, if I had to change with my parent child relationship, if it's nuanced and I had to change how I dealt with it between the age of three and the age of 15, then how much more am I going to have to change how I deal with it? It's a whole different situation when they're 87. Okay. So, so, you know, we're, we're talking about that. Um, if I'm a boarding school director and I have a student, yeah, I can expect certain things of them. 
And yet I'm still in a situation where I should be teaching them. Correct. Okay. Now I don't know how many boarding school directors are here, but it is completely logical in that situation for there to be expectations and requirements for a certain level of, you know, decluttering and all that. Um, A teacher student within those realms, instead of saying, you know, I mean, like some of the hurtful things that I've heard from people is, you know, people who did have some authority over their life, but wanted to tell them what to do in areas where they didn't have authority, you know, but like within the realms of the teacher student, yes, there can be expectations of your desk or your folder or your work or whatever it is that you're doing for this situation. Yes, I can have expectations on that. And the reason I brought up the parent child thing is to then show the difference between the other relationships. Okay. Those are unique relationships. They're also always temporary. Husband relationships are not parent-child relationships. And they're also not, I mean, not that you're ever not the child's parent. You know what I mean? But it's going to change. I mean, that's the reality of having kids is the goal is that they be independent and they become their own adults and they, you know, decide this stuff on their own. But a husband relationship is not a parent-child relationship. It's one of equals, okay? So as you're in this relationship, it can't be dealt with in the same way. Those relationships that I talk about as far as parent-child and husband relationships, that's within your own home. My advice on that is declutter your own stuff first, okay? If you fixate on what you think, oh, who would do that? Me, I would, and a whole lot of people I get emails from. But fixating on somebody else's clutter, my kid's clutter, my husband's clutter, the issues there, fixating on that is the problem, doesn't help. Going ahead and decluttering neutral stuff and your stuff first does help. Okay. It will earn you the right to speak. And meanwhile, while you're earning that right to speak, your house is better off because you got rid of your stuff and neutral stuff. Okay. So you're earning the right to, to speak because number one, you have experience and you have done your own stuff first. Okay. Nobody wants to hear you. If you have your own house, super cluttered, nobody wants to hear you tell them that they need to declutter. Okay. I know I'm in a weird position where people ask me for decluttering advice before I was even done and I'm still not done, but you know what I mean? Okay. That's what I'm talking about. Like it's, it's just, that's reality, especially the people living with you. Uh, it's hard enough when you do, when you have decluttered and you tell your husband, honey, I have written the book, (laughs) just do what I tell you to do. Um, it still doesn't work very well, even when you've written the book, like I have, but they get to experience life with less. They get to see you go through decluttering regret and live through it and be fine. So, you know, earning that credibility, working on your own decluttering skills, getting better at it. I'm telling you, decluttering momentum is real. You will get better and better at decluttering as you do it. And that will get you to the point where then you can help somebody else and they're going to be more willing to accept your input and your advice and your help if you've decluttered your own stuff first. If it's somebody who lives outside of your home, somebody who doesn't live in your home with you, same, do your own stuff first. You're going to have to do your own stuff first, no matter what, whether it's because you have to bring them in to live with you at some point or whatever, do your own stuff first, earn your credibility and learn the skills. Use your own experience to open up the conversation because a lot of times this is simply a matter 
of opening up the conversation. And I can tell you that I think one of the reasons why people do share their decluttering problems with me is because I have shared my own decluttering problems. So, you know, if somebody thinks you're perfect, they're less likely to tell you their struggles. So use your own experience to open up the conversation and work on your own stuff first. Okay. Because again, you know, for you to come in, if they have seen your house at its worst and you come in and say, you need to get your own house cleaned up, get your house cleaned up. They're not going to want to hear that from you. But even if you're in the process of working on your own house, that opens up the conversation and they may want to have hear that from you at that point. Does that make sense? Okay. Let me tell you about one of this episode's sponsors, BetterHelp. I hear from a lot of you and I know that so many times there's a lot more to clutter than just your stuff. There's a lot more to the situation that you're in than just the stuff. But y'all, I'm a podcaster from Texas who's working on her own home. I am not qualified to help you with some of the things I know that you are dealing with. That's why I'm excited to tell you about the sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp is online counseling that allows you to connect with a licensed professional counselor in a safe and private online environment so you can get help on your own time and at your own pace. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions plus chat and text with your therapist. If you know that you need to look into getting counseling, but you're overwhelmed with how to even start, check out BetterHelp. They have 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states. If you're not happy with your counselor for any reason, you can request a new one at any time for no additional charge. You can start communicating in under 24 hours, though I do want to be clear, this is not a crisis line. One big advantage, since I know I have readers all over the place, is that there is a broad expertise in the network, which may not be locally available in many areas. Financial aid is available for those who qualify. Best of all, it's a truly affordable option. A slob comes clean. Listeners get 10% off your first month with the discount code clean. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com slash clean and simply fill out the questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get you matched with a counselor who you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash clean. Another podcast episode sponsor this week is Carbona. Carbona has been helping people live life unstained for more than a century. Carbona offers a wide range of cleaning and home care solutions that deliver impressive results from specific stain removers for specific stain types to highly efficient products for your laundry, carpets, and washing machine. But let's talk about specifically the stain removers. Okay, I'm going to admit a personal problem that I have that affects my laundry needs. I'm a dripper. So many times at dinner, lunch, whatever, I end up dripping just a little something on my shirt when I'm eating my dinner. It's very frustrating. But here's the thing. I don't drip the same thing every time. I might drip salsa or ranch dressing, or I've been on this major chicken marsala kick lately. So there's that. And salsa and ranch dressing don't have the same chemical makeup. Even I, a theater teacher, can see that. So that's where Carbona's stain devils come in. They are scientifically formulated to treat specific stain types. There are nine total different ones for different types of stains. They're safe and effective for use on washable and water safe fabrics. Essentially, all you do is pour the solution onto the stain and dab it out, then just rinse and wash as usual. Want to start living your life unstained? Shop Carbona.com with the code CLEAN for 20% off your order. Again, use the code CLEAN at Carbona.com for 20% off your order. 
Now let's talk about the actual getting in there and helping people, wishing that they would declutter. Don't underestimate the impact of dealing with procrastinator. Um, procrastinator clutter I define as being anything that it's clutter, but it maybe could technically not be called clutter. But visibly, it is clutter, and it's just something that has to be dealt with that I know I'm going to deal with later. So I tend to procrastinate doing it because I think of it as not real clutter, and yet visibly, it makes my house feel cluttered and look cluttered, which then causes me to increase the clutter. Because when there's already clutter, I'm that much more likely to randomly lay things down in random weird places. Okay, so don't underestimate the impact of when you help someone helping them with procrastinator clutter first. Okay, this is one of those things that can get you into that point of having a little bit of credibility because you're coming in and you're helping them deal with that. Sometimes, well, most of the time, the tendency is to be like, well, I don't need to help them with their dishes and their laundry and their half done projects because I need to go and help them with the the big stuff. I We need to go clean out the master bedroom closet or we need to go clean out the garage or whatever. And that may be helpful. And if they have asked you to help with the garage or the master bedroom closet, then that's exactly what you should be doing. But we're talking about those people who may not have asked for help and you're trying to figure out how do I get this conversation to be part of our relationship? Well, coming and helping them with those things that need to be done to help visibly improve their home so that when you come in and their dishes are out of control, if they are, and you help deal with the dishes, then they get to experience, wow, this person actually really helped me. And it brings about that feeling of this person is helpful, which then is going to color and bring about the conversation of we need to talk about decluttering. Does that make sense? Helping with half done projects. That's something that, you know, people can get started on something and then feel completely overwhelmed and coming in and, and, you know, helping them do something that produces that feeling of, oh, good, I'm done with that. Great. Much better than coming in and stressing them out over the thing that they've been dreading dealing with all this time. No, help with getting that procrastinator clutter done so that you prove yourself to be helpful. You prove yourself to be um, non-threatening, you know, because you're just improving their home. The other thing too is dishes, laundry, half done projects. Those things are going to lend themselves very well to being able to work in some conversation about the container concept. Okay. The container concept is that um, just the reality, it's just fact, it's science, basically, that um, every space in your home is a container. And a container is not something to put things in. It's a limit. Okay, so your if you help them catch up on dishes, and you actually help them completely finish them, and you go put them in the cabinets, and they don't fit. Well, that's a very non threatening, blame the cabinet way for you to say, hey, your dishes don't all fit in the cabinet. Which ones are your favorite? And we'll put those in there and then I'll drop the ones that don't fit off at um, Goodwill on my way home or whatever. You know, like that that container concept is a very effective way in helping other people declutter, but using the procrastinator clutter to lead into the container concept 
to then help them declutter is a very nice non-threatening way to kind of work yourself into this position of being the person to whom they come to talk to about their clutter issues. Because here's the thing, I guarantee you this stuff is probably stressing them out. If this is a person in your life who you know is getting close to a time where they're going to have to declutter, okay, because they're going to have to move or they're going to have to whatever, you know, go into some kind of healthcare situation or whatever. You may think that they're not worrying about it, but most likely there is a nagging underlying worry. And that nagging underlying worry is something that they're just kind of squashing down and denying. Y'all, I'm the queen of that. So I totally know this is a thing. All right. So, you know, working yourself into this position of being the person who they can come to for help. When they mention something, when the conversation does come up about, oh, I just need to have a garage sale. I say that in a voice that you can, (laughs) that was my mother-in-law's voice basically. Anyway, but, oh, I know I need to have a garage sale. Well, when those kinds of things come up, that may not be the thing that you really wish you could do. I mean, y'all know I'm all about donating, but the reality is when it's not your stuff, it's not your stuff. And it's, they are the ones who are going to have to be willing to get rid of things. So if they say, oh, I just need to have a garage sale, say, okay, I'll help you. You know, finding that thing that they want to do that they think might help and say, sure, I'll help you get that done. And when you are able to help them on that, let me just tell you, every little bit helps. You know, I mean, helping with a garage sale, if you can get a little bit out of there, then you're either going to get some out of there and the house is going to be better off or they're going to realize, oh, that was a whole lot of work and we didn't make that much money. Now I'm more willing to donate or it's basically that getting the momentum started with finding whatever it is that they're willing to do. Let's say that you think this is something I've experienced in talking to a lot of people and even family members of, oh my goodness, my mother has so many books. This is ridiculous. She has got to get rid of her books. And so in my mind, I think, well, what's the point of doing anything else when we haven't dealt with the books? Let's do the easy stuff first. That's the way that you build decluttering momentum is doing the easy stuff first. So even though in your mind, you're thinking you're really going to worry about your silverware drawer when you've got books piled on every surface in the entire house, but she wants to worry about the silverware drawer and wondering how much she could sell that silverware for help her do that. You know, that was one of the things with my mother-in-law that we did. She had some China that she had purchased from a neighbor when her neighbor moved like 20 something years before more than that, because it was years before my husband and I got married anyway, but she had this China that she had purchased And she was convinced it was worth a lot of money. And she had bought it because she thought it would be worth a lot of money someday. And she'd never used it. Like never one single time had she used it. But it was this huge set of, you know, like every single thing you could possibly imagine for a set of China. Um, And so she would talk about it sometimes. Well, as we kind of started getting closer to, you know, the years went on and it was like, okay, this is this is going to happen at some point, you know, where we had the reality check of life's not going to keep going at this same exact situation forever. And there will come a time where they're going to have to move. When she brought it up again of, oh, that China, and I wonder how much I could get for that. And oh, that's just sitting in the closet. I just said, okay, I'll help you. I'll help you sell it. And I explained, you know, I explained, okay, so if you want to sell it, you know, here's the, here's the reality. 
There's eBay, but it would be really hard to ship. And the shipping would cost such and such. Now, depending on your situation, you might have to go through the whole process of taking that China up to a mailing place and getting an estimate. You know, don't don't actually, you know, go through the process of them packing it up, but get an estimate on. Can you just give me a general idea of how much it would probably cost to ship this safely? You know, that kind of, that's the kind of help where you're building your cred, you're showing yourself helpful, but you're also helping them gain some of that momentum. If the money thing is an issue, take that thing that they talk about the most as, oh, I bet you I could sell that someday, but they don't know how to do that and help them figure out how to sell it. So that's what we did. We didn't get the shipping thing. I had been selling on eBay, so she knew. I knew what I was talking about at that point. But, um, you know, I talked to her about the shipping. I said, you know, but there's Craigslist. We This was before Facebook groups um, when we first put it up there. But I said, you know, what what's the amount that you would want to take for it? You know, like, what what's the amount that you would really hope to get for this? And she told me. So I put it up on Craigslist. Well, that in and of itself was a really great reality check, honestly. That was a great reality check. Because, you know, I showed her what I did. I showed her what I wrote about it. I showed her the pictures that I took of it. I put time into that. I knew that most likely this wasn't going to, you know, sell. But it was important to her. And that part of this is that whole helping her be realistic about this situation. So I did all that work for her, knowing that we weren't going to get the money that she wanted for it. But out of respect for her, she wants to ask this much for it. She was much more willing to continue to let me help her when I didn't say, are you kidding? You know, which is what maybe some other people might have said. Um, are you kidding? Nobody's going to pay that for that. Instead, I said, okay, this is what you want for it. Let's put it up there and see what happens. We can always come down on the price later. So then she didn't have to feel like, oh, they're going to sell it for you know, way less than I would have ever sold it for. So we went ahead and sold it and we went ahead and listed it for that on Craigslist, you know, and she called me a couple times. Have you heard anything about that? I'm like, no, I haven't gotten any kind of response at all. Um, and then it was probably two years later when we were it was starting to get a little bit more serious about, we we're going to have to get the house dealt with. And I, um, I said, okay, well I can try a Facebook group. You know, it didn't remember we listed it for this, before and there wasn't any interest. How much would you say now? Now, I know we don't always have two years, but I'm just kind of giving you my experience and kind of how we build to this point of the, and we're specifically talking about those people you wish, not that you're in a situation where you have to help them right now, but that you're wishing they would declutter. This is, you know, building to this is how we did it. So I said, you know, I'll put it on Facebook for you. How much, you know, now would you say? And she gave me a price. Well, then by the time it was, you know, we were stuck and we did have to, well, then I put it on again and I told her, I said, you know what? I'm going to list it, list it for this much because we just have to get rid of it at this point. And it finally did sell, which I was actually a little bit surprised, but it finally did sell. We sold it. And I think it was, I think she wanted maybe $250, which honestly, you know, probably a lot less than it cost originally, but $250 the first time. I think I listed it for 150 the second time. And I think we sold it for like 85 maybe. So by the time she got the 85, she was happy, but she also felt respected. She felt like I wasn't saying this stuff is worthless. Why did you buy this? Because that's what maybe had been said to her at some points. Because it was a little bit like, why did you buy this when you didn't even want it yourself? But whatever, you know, that, that would have stopped and halted 
the overall process that we were going for, which was we've got to help them figure out how to get their house downsized. You know, the garage sale, they had talked about doing a garage sale, talked about it. Oh, we need to have a garage sale one of these days. So the whole family all came together. It was great. I mean, everybody was helping a lot on this, but just said, okay, let's have a garage sale then. And so, you know, we helped them. We, we said, we got it on the calendar and then we would come up different weekends and we would help clean out different um, areas, you know, clean out the bathroom, clean out all the stuff and um, just getting rid of the most obvious garage saleable stuff, you know, that having that garage sale on the date that we're helping you with because you said you wanted, you should have one then kind of gave us this excuse to, to move through the stuff. And even though, yes, there was still a lot of stuff in the house when we did eventually have to clean it out. I think so many times about how much more it would have been if we had not had that garage sale, you know, so helping with this thing that they've been talking about, if they've been saying, you know, if the issue is an unfinished project, I know all about that, right? If the issue is an unfinished project that um, has been sitting around forever and it's causing, you know, can't do this because I've never put the bookshelf together or whatever, you know, can't can't get these things organized because the shelf I bought that I was pretty sure was going to solve all my problems, I've never ended up putting it together and it's laying out all over the floor in that room and I can't use that room and that's causing this, you know, help put the bookshelf together. Even though in your mind, you might be thinking, are you kidding me? A bookshelf was not the answer. Go ahead and help put it together because then it's being helpful and it's earning that credibility to actually be able to come in and be the person who they're going to turn to for help because they feel like you're actually helpful. What is your position? I mean, it all comes down to who are you in this person's life? You know, are you somebody who has any kind of a right to speak into their need to declutter? And so many times, That comes down to, you know, are you the person who is going to be the one who has to do it if the worst happens, if the train wreck happens and it has to be done all of a sudden? Are you the person who's going to, it's going to fall on or not? Because if you're not, then you don't get to come in and say, you got to do this. You know, if it, if it doesn't have any personal impact on your life and this is a a family friend or you just don't have that kind of relationship, then you don't get to be the person to come in and say that you can be the person to come in and offer help, but you don't get to be the person to require this of them. Now it is a different situation when you're already helping them handle finances or helping them, you know, take them to doctor's appointments and things, and they're starting to depend on you. Then that kind of leads you into that position of, let's all be clear. I'm going to be the one who has to deal with this when the train wreck happens. And so, you know, can we go ahead and talk about this? Can I go ahead and help you with some things? And then that leads you into being able to address the situation and actually help. Because again, talking about something about, 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 you need to do this. You need to do this often just serves to overwhelm somebody more. And if there's anything I know about feeling overwhelmed, it's, especially when I'm dealing with clutter is my natural tendency is just to shut down and say, okay, well then I'm going to blah, 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 pretend this doesn't exist where instead, what can I do to actually help with something? Even though I feel like, what is the point of me doing their dishes when the entire garage, you can't even walk through it, go ahead and do the dishes because that starts to establish you as the person who's actually helpful you know, go ahead and 
finish building the shelf that you didn't think they needed in the first place because that establishes you. It puts you in the position of being helpful instead of just being the person to tell them you need to this, you need to that, you need to this because that doesn't actually help. I mean, if they come to you and they ask you for advice, still don't say, well, you need to have less stuff because that doesn't help. (laughs) If they ask you for advice, tell them what's worked in your own home. Well, you know, this crazy lady, I listened to her podcast. Um, she tells me to grab a black trash bag and I grab a black trash bag and I start throwing away trash. And that just really helps me get started. You know, tell them that, give them something to do or bring the black trash bag over and tell them to point at the things that, you know, are trash or pick something up and say, Oh, is this trash? Okay. Yeah. You know, get rid of the most obvious things. Do the easy stuff first. It's all these same things remembering that you have to earn the right to be the person to help them and earn the right to be the person to approach this very personal, difficult subject. Anyway, I hope this has made any sense whatsoever. Like I said, I had to start again and that always throws me off. But those of you who are in the Dallas area, I will be speaking in Waxahachie. It's not Waxahachie, it's Waxahachie. Um, on September 19th. And I would love to see you there. It is an event that has dinner. I think there's like a craft project, but it's a ladies night out open to anybody, anybody and everybody, but it is $20. I don't think I knew that last time when I said that, but I knew that there was a a cost. So anyway, y'all come on. I would love to meet you there. It's going to be a fun night. Um, and that's on my website at a slobcomesclean.com slash speaking. Okay. I will talk to you guys next week. Bye.